DJ and PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Time to welcome in the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. David, good morning. Good morning. How are you, David James? How are Hi. you, Patrick Kinahan? <laughs> good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Just woke up. Well, the Utah Jazz woke up after four months off and got a win. The best thing you saw and the worst thing you saw in that game. Oh, I think the best thing I saw was just the core principles of who they are and how they play the game and, and you know, that they know how to execute and play right late in the game. Um, they didn't have a lot of business winning that game. They were outplayed for probably 39 of the 48 minutes. Um, so I think that just kind of went back to a core kind of understanding of who they are and how to play. Um, the worst thing I saw was nine minutes without a field goal. Um, and then, you know, and frankly, uh, other than the core six guys um, who played great, uh, the next three were were pretty uninspiring. Um, and that's concerning. I mean, what we found, the 31 minutes of trying to replace Boyan Bogdanovich uh, didn't, didn't work very well yesterday. Yeah, is that what it's going to be? I mean, we hope not, obviously, but the fact is from the positive that those six guys, as far as the team winning, the burden is really going to rely on them, or can we expect some more help from the others? I think there's still going to have to be some fiddling with rotations. Um, Joe Ingles' foul trouble kind of derailed some things, so it's hard to tell, though Emmanuel Moutier, after his first-half performance, his second-half performance, I think he got about a minute um, and might have saved the game. Quinn might have saved the game with that move because um, it just wasn't good. Um, so there's some things um, we ended up with. We ended up with Donovan at the point guard a bunch without Mike or Joe, and that has not been very successful this year. Um, in fact, I think it's about minus eight per hundred possessions. So not only not successful, like bad. Um, which is a little strange because a year ago it was pretty good. So you have to be a little careful on what you're playing with here. And again, all of our lineup data is a little screwy because Rudy Gobert spent 89% of his minutes with Boyan Bogdanovich on the floor. And so, you know, there's just not a lot of real data on this. But it, that didn't look great again yesterday. So um, I, I think there's going to have to be some playing with the rotations a little bit to see if you can find a way to keep Mike or Joe on the floor for the majority of the time as a point guard and then work off of that. So you kind of know that Mike and Joe, if you can do that, you have Mike and Joe as your point guards and you know you have Rudy and Tony as your centers. And then you just kind of work the middle minutes um, and figure out what you can do uh, with that. But you know, that's part of this is trying to figure it out. And the game was, you know, it was interesting. I thought the scrimmages looked really good. And then you watched both the Jazz and the Pelicans and the Lakers and the Clippers, and those games were way different. So you just get reminded, you know, it's the same way when they suddenly hit playoffs here in two weeks, the game will be even more different again. You just get re- reminded on how great these guys really are. And when they, when they put it in full throttle, it's just on a different level. It seems like what happens is 
the energy level goes up, the defense goes up immediately, but the offenses can't go with it. You know, some of the scores we were seeing this season, we were seeing a lot of games in the in the one teens, and obviously this is, you know 106, 104, and the other game was 103, 101. So, you know, they lost a little something there. But the 17 point fourth quarter for the Pelicans, do you think that was more the Jazz uh, defensively? locking them up, or the Pelicans under pressure just kind of fell apart and didn't know what to do? Well, I think it was a few things. I mean, first off, uh, Rudy was unbelievable yesterday. I mean, he is just great. And um, the free throws are, you know, added, and, you know, it's ironic that, right, he's the irony is here he is getting all this praise for scoring the first basket and the last points, and it's back to, like, getting praise nationally for baskets. He was un believable defensively yesterday. Um, I I don't have the number in front of me. I tweeted it out last night. Um, but I think that New Orleans in the half-court offensive rating was like a 79. Like, if they didn't get out and run uh, and Rudy got set defensively, he was just a beast last night. Um, so what happened in the fourth quarter is I think the game slowed down a little bit, probably fatigue. Also, the Jazz just got tighter and, you know, and had the right guys on the floor. And so um, they just did a, you know, they, they kept New Orleans in the half court now. And then Rudy gets to display what makes him so great. On the flip side, New Orleans has got a major problem here. New Orleans is 28th in the league in clutch time offensively, 28th in the league in clutch time defensively, and is 29th overall late in games. So the Jazz took advantage of what's wrong with New Orleans' team. As much as when I prep that team, I feel like they're 40 and 14. They're they're brilliant at every position. I love every single one of their guys. Um, frankly, when I run my analytics on them, every year they peak out. Like I think they were, I projected them at like fourth this year in the Western Conference and fourth last year, and they let me down every year. They're just something's missing in that group. Um, you know, I had a stat last night that Brandon Ingram is now one of fifteen shooting and zero of seven from three in the final minute of a game within five points. And I called a scout on my uh, last night on my way back and. Um, Asked them about. It. They said, "Well, he has no move. You know, the the guys who late in games have a move and they're going to certain spots and they're trying to get to places. He doesn't have any of that yet. So that's an interesting kind of difference at 25 points a game of who he is compared to, you know, someone like Kawhi or LeBron or Paul George or things like that. Do you think Donovan is looking for Rudy more? I think Donovan knows he needs to be a more complete basketball player, and so. Some of that is widening his range of things he's thinking about when he comes into the lane. So some of that's for shooting and some of it's to um, pass. Um, So I think he's looking for everyone more, and Rudy is one of everyone. But that was going on a bit before the stoppage. Did you hear stuff during the game and your broadcasting, so maybe you don't, that you don't normally hear with no crowd there? Because one thing I heard that kind of cracked me up, there was one point, I can't remember which Pelican was, they were driving, I think it was third quarter, and it was a play where Donovan ended up running out the corner of the court and chasing a ball down that was you know way out of bounds, and it was off a block from Rudy, and as the guy got to the free throw line driving, somebody yelled, Go get it, big fella. I mean, it was like all the Jazz players knew, oh, this guy's going to go into Rudy, and Rudy is going to swat this thing 50 feet. 
Uh, do you hear stuff like that during a game you don't normally hear? So I, I, I'm hearing a lot more squeaking and ball bouncing. They've mm-hmm. got 30-some-odd mics underneath the floor, so you can feel that differently. Um, I, I actually, they're, they're running two different effect feeds to the broadcast, one that has players' voices and one that doesn't. I have no idea how they're able to do that, but they are. Um, and I actually did not know that they were running anything with players' voices yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, tip of the hat to our crew. I've listened to a bunch of our other broadcasts around the league, and um, we, the work that's been done by Travis Henderson and Jeremy Brunner to give us the effect feed and sound, um, I, I will take, I think, if I can handle it, I will take some time and listen to my broadcast today. As you both know, that's the you know that's a little bit like hot boiling wax in your eyeballs as a broadcaster to go back and listen to yourself. Yep. But, um, I'm planning on doing it today at some point. Um, we'll see if I can procrastinate and find other things to do and then go, oh, I ran out of time. Yeah. Um, but uh, listening to other broadcasts around the league in the last four days, um, our guys have done a great job to put to make let our fans have something that sounds somewhat real because there's a lot of radio broadcasts right now that sound like two guys sitting in a studio watching a game on television. How much does this team need to have success to prove to itself that it could still be good without Bogdanovich as it gets through these next seven heading into the postseason? Very significant. I think very, very significant. Also, I just don't think they ever hit their vibe this year, right? If you remember, kind of the the next ten games was this, the whole storyline was like, let's see where we are. Like that was, they, they were really ramping up and Mike was playing better and it's been averaging 17 points in the last 11 games. He was pretty good again last night and um, they they were really ramping it up. They were trying to you know, the bench unit was suddenly playing well. They were trying to get a little better defensively. They were trying to figure out how to play defense with their lack of size and still force some turnovers, which they hadn't been doing. Um, you know, they really had. There were a bunch of things that were, were works in progress. Um, the last practice before the suspension was an entire practice on catch and shoot threes. Like, hey, we're the best in the league at this. Let's get more of them. Um, so there were a bunch of pieces that were being worked in to try to, you know, Quinn, Quinn's incredible about getting that team to peak late. And that's right where they were. So they never got to find out what their peak was. And so I do think that these games are really important. And couple that without Bogdanovich, I think it's really important. I, I think, um, you know, one of the great strengths of the Jazz team is the multiple pick-and-roll ball handlers that they have that other teams don't have. And I thought that was really evident last night because Drew Holiday – was actually maybe the best defensive player on the floor last night. Rudy was great, and Drew Holiday was equally as good. I mean, he just literally took the ball away from Donovan Mitchell, away from Mike Conley, and away from George Clarkson, and away from Joe Ingles at different times. Like, literally just took it away from him on dribbles. He was incredible. And I thought the Jet, and, and statistically going into the game, it shows that Derek Favors and Drew Holiday are the best pick-and-roll defense combo in the league. And I thought the Jazz' ability to be able to go away from Drew Holiday was a really big aspect of the game. In fact, on Donovan's final drive, he does go at Drew Holiday um, and beats him, but only because the play busted. And the play before that, Donovan, I think, drives on Brandon Ingram, where Drew Holiday went to Mike Conley, and then the Jazz were able to go to somebody else, and they went to Donovan, tried to bring J.J. Redick up, New Orleans was uncomfortable with who's guarding who. Donovan took advantage and got by Brandon Ingram. I think drew a foul on that one um, late. And so that's, an, you know, that's part of who they are. The problem is that they used to have a fourth dead-eye shooter out there and Boyan Bogdanovich in that set, and they're going to have to figure out who that fourth person is. So the Jazz shot 
8 of 34 from 3. That is 23.5%. Now, losing Bogdanovich is going to impact your team's three-point percentage, but it shouldn't impact it to that degree. The fact they won with that number, I mean, I assume at some point, you know, law of averages and all that stuff, and some of these guys start making threes, and when you're on from three, it's a lot easier to win. covers up a lot of mistakes. The theme around talking to people around the Jazz last night was how the hell did we win that game? I mean, that was, that was, whoa, how did we win that game? We got outplayed for 39 minutes and shot what you just said from three. So, I mean, the feeling was that there was just a real grit in to getting that win last night. A lot of blowback as far as the kneeling and the social activism. For myself, I'm interested in entertaining basketball, and that's what I got. What would you say to those people who are having a hard time with this kneeling or whatever it might be relative to sticking with the basketball? So I actually thought the blowback was limited. Um, I'm sure some politician will use it today as a way to get their name in the paper, um, nationally or locally. Um, I'm sure it's you know it's just too good a topic to not you know in a day and age where name recognition matters. So I'm sure somebody will. Um, so I actually thought there was less reaction. I mean, I, I don't. I have a list of everybody who's told me that they'll never watch another game just because I'm so curious to see when the next time they text me or tweet me. Um, and so. I, it, but it's not very long. So I, I was think, just emotional uh, that time. Overlook it. Okay, I will. Um, <laughs> you know, um, so I have a few thoughts, um, and there. One is, you know, somebody during my live show on Locked On Jazz yesterday sent me. I've been a season ticket holder for twenty years, and if they kneel today, I'll never watch again. And if that's true, and you're not just grandstanding. I admire it immensely. I admire it just as much as I admire the person taking the knee. I mean, uh, the world, our country was based on protest and based on a revolution and based in the core principles of our constitution of freedom of speech and the right to assemble and the right to protest. And that's your person. If you have a conviction that's that truthful, that you're willing to give up something that you've had for 20 years because you believe so strongly in either the anthem or the flag or whatever it is that I don't happen to agree with that point of view, but so I'm not entirely sure what that person thinks, but if they believe that, that strongly, that's awesome. I admire that as much as I admire anything else. It's about conviction. The fact is, I think a lot of the people that are blowbacking weren't watching anyway. You know, I just think they're grandstanding, and they weren't going to watch, and they weren't going to spend money anyway. It's just a great topic for them to go grandstand. So if you're really sacrificing and giving up something, I admire you 100% on it. Um, I don't agree, because I just don't, that, just, that happens in life. We just don't happen to agree. I view it as kind of the essence of us as a country, as a place that protests, and I don't see the I don't see the national anthemism as a tribute to military in any way. I see a tribute to our country, and our country, you know, was based on the biggest moment in our country was the Boston Tea Party, which was really looting and stealing and protesting. Like, but that was pretty darn important to what we how we founded our country. So, um, I I just don't see it the same way, which is fine. But and I admire anyone who's got the conviction to be able to actually sacrifice and take something out of it. Again, if you're grandstanding, then that's what you're doing, and and it's pretty shallow. All right, we'll leave it right there, David. As always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on and uh, talking jazz with us. And uh, man, you're right. You're right back at it Saturday. Let, let me clarify. Unless you're a talk show host, in which case, really all you do is grandstand for four hours anyway. So then I totally support you in everything you do. Thank you for that little personal note. You know, I did that job once. <laughs> Maybe you'll do it again. Who knows? No, let's hope not. Podcasts aren't that different. So different. 
a little. Not that different. Well, there's, actually, we could have a whole conversation. There, you're not taking many callers anymore, so there's there's an evolutionary change where they've gotten more similar. I would say. Yeah. When I was a talk show host, you were taking callers. A lot of them. Yeah, it's a very that was a very different game. You you really did not have control of what was happening next. Thank you, David. See you.